Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Let's Talk About Brand was initially broadcast as a live stream in 2020. It has been edited from its original format. Hey everyone, I'm Christine Gritman, and welcome to Let's Talk About Brand. I do this show every Friday at noon Eastern time. We talk about personal branding, building brands, all of that with people who really know their stuff and have done it. So today's guest is Matthew Kobach. A lot of us, especially on Twitter, this is why I simulcast on Twitter today, a lot of us know Matthew for really being such a leader in the Twitter space. He's built an incredible community for himself. We're going to find out all about how he did that, but I do want to refer you to this awesome Twitter thread that he has pinned on his M. Kobach um, Twitter uh, profile there that talks about why he did it, how he did it, and he's going to talk to us about that today, as well as how his own incredible personal brand has benefited his employer. When he started building his personal brand, he was not yet with Fast, which is a brand new startup, but he has helped it grow even faster by the power of his personal brand. So we're going to talk about that and how, and this larger shift, which is about companies valuing their employees' personal brands instead of seeing it as a threat. So without any further ado, I'm going to bring on our amazing guest, Matthew Kobach. Yay! Yay! Didn't expect the applause. I love it. Oh yeah, gotta have the applause, right? <laughs> yeah. Of so, so Matthew. So, as I said before, it's not like you became known as the fast guy. You were known and made fast. Kind of became the Matthew Kobach thing, honestly. So, let's talk about um, you. Have you have a broader background in social media? You didn't just turn up on Twitter a year ago and decide to build a community. So, first, I'd like to hear more about your background in this industry because a lot of people don't necessarily know. Yeah, so I actually started way back in 2008, and uh, this it was really a self-preservation kind of idea. So I was in, uh, I was getting a, ma- I was getting, I just gotten a master's degree. I had applied for a PhD program, and when you're in a PhD program, you have to decide what you're going to study. And I was uh, in the communications department, and everyone you know, in that department, you have a specialty. So someone specializes in children in the media and race in the media and sex in the media and politics in the media. And so in 2008, it was clear that like social media was this really big thing, but not enough people were studying it. It was so new that there just weren't any experts. So I just decided I'm going to eliminate competition and become the social media expert. Uh, So I studied it. There wasn't a lot of research. So you're kind of like, you know, blazing a path, if you will. How did you and, speaking uh, of blazing the path? Was, how did you personally start on social media? What was your first social media experience? Oh, it was uh, it was Facebook. It, it was um, uh, I think I had a girlfriend at the time. It was maybe like two thousand four, two thousand five, 
And uh, she just said, hey, this is, um, you know, have you seen this? This is really cool. I think it was even before the news feed and all that stuff. Mm-hmm, and it was signed up and yeah, have been on social media ever since. And that was back when you had to be a student, because I remember until about oh, yeah. 2007, you had to have a .edu email address. I used my alumni email address because I wasn't in school anymore, and I was the oldest person I knew on Facebook in 2006. <laughs> I, uh, I remember wanting to do experiments, and I had to convince the school to give me extra .edu uh, email addresses so that I could make fake accounts under, uh, you know, on <laughs> Facebook for, for experimental purposes. I love that. So you decided to specialize in the study of social media, which no one was really doing. And I'm sure your advisors were like, really? <laughs> the advisors were great. Oh, good. Advisors, like, they're very encouraging. They're like, oh, yeah, this is a new area. And like, you know, they just want to know. And like, they saw that uh, what who didn't think it was great was pretty much everyone else in the world who said... <laughs> How do you get a PhD in taking gym selfies and what you had for lunch? Uh, so those people didn't quite see, you know, what the future of social media was. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was great. I did, for the record, too. I dropped out. I didn't get the PhD. Um, what happened was, no, nah, it's all right. Best decision I ever made. <laughs> I'm here talking with with you right now. I probably would. And you're doing it instead of just studying it, though. You're doing yeah. both. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was social media was moving so fast then. So it's Fast. like, yeah, right. <laughs> work it into every, I'm going to work it into every uh, answer. Uh, but no, it's just head, man. So I couldn't like the PhD couldn't keep up. I'd, I'd design an experiment. I'd want to study something. And all of a sudden like Twitter appeared or Instagram appeared and, uh, or they made like a major change. And so like, I, I had like three or four kind of like ideas that I gave to my committee. It takes like six months for them to approve it. And that happened just one too many times. And I finally yeah. just said, I, I can't do this anymore. And I, I found something else. And what was that something else? What did, where, so you went from academia and you were a student. Mm-hmm. Were you working also uh, in the private sector while you were a student? Or were you a uh, little bit. So uh, our program, too, I taught classes. So I taught classes on media facts. I taught ah. classes on storytelling. Um, taught classes on just kind of communications in general and media literacy in general. So I was doing that the entire time. And then I was able to do some part-time work with a social media analytics firm. Uh, so that was interesting. And then I actually started my own social media marketing firm. It was kind of right around the time that Facebook ads had gotten really big yeah. and local businesses weren't using them enough. Uh, so I would just go to local businesses, pitch them on my you know, ability to create ads and target people. And, uh, back then it was really cheap. Like you could, if you were a doctor or a dentist or, you know, a restaurant, you could literally target the whole city for a couple yeah. hundred bucks a, a week or even a month. So it was really easy to drive a lot of value. You uh, could also get crazier with the targeting back then in the Wild West of advertising. I remember reading a story about some guy who got so into the advertising targeting that he targeted his roommate and just kind of just troll him. (laughs) (laughs) You could get that crazy back then. I I never got that specific, but yeah, it was (laughs) it was it was crazy how uh, easy it was and simple it was back then. And and it was one of those. It seemed really complicated, but as you know, if you just worked on it for a couple days. It, yeah. it was very self-explanatory. Well, people were intimidated to even try. It was this whole new thing. They went yeah. from um, thinking it was kind of nonsense and just personal use to suddenly realizing this was a business tool. So I'm sure the learning curve was 
I think people don't realize how fast and steep that learning curve was. This is all so unbelievably new. So you went and started your own firm out, mm -hmm. out, of, out of graduate school. So what yep. were you focused on there? And what were some lessons you, you learned there that maybe either confirmed or contradicted something that you had learned when you were just kind of observing? So my goal was to make money. <laughs> like that, was the, that was the only goal. Anyone who wanted to hire me, they were a client. Like that was the only goal was like, uh, you know, I had to do something else. I didn't like what I was doing. So I needed to make this work. Uh, the one lesson I learned was how much I enjoyed creating content. So like that was always the fun part, like creating fun ads, like uh, having the ads actually work, having people go, oh, I just called the... Um, you know, I did a lot of work with doctor and dentist office, like having people reply. I just called and, and scheduled an appointment. Like that was amazing. That was awesome. What I didn't like was getting people to pay you and doing taxes and doing all the, uh, you know, kind <laughs> running of running a business, running a business, fun part like. of running a business. <laughs> yeah. And, and so what you, what I learned real quick was that like social media is an entertainment uh, platform, you know, like the, the, no one owes you their attention. No one's gonna pay attention to you. Like we'd make, what I learned was I was able to like kind of cut my teeth on a lot of bad ads and a lot of bad organic <laughs> social. And so you're able to realize quickly that like, no one's going to pay attention to you. Even if they choose to follow you, no one's necessarily going to pay attention to you. You have to win their attention every time. And so it became this really, uh, you know, reinforced lesson that, uh, your audience owes you nothing that you have to kind of earn them one tweet, one post at a time. And that if you're not thinking about like, how does this hook them? How does this bring value to their day? How is this interesting? That they're probably just going to ignore and you're probably just wasting your time. That is such a good point. The dip, people think that visibility and influence are so intertwined, but they're not always. You can have visibility mm. without having influence if people are following you without really caring and listening. Yeah. And I mean, and you've just got to, like you could have, you see this on TikTok a lot. You can have a million followers, but if you're posting stuff and everyone's ignoring it, like, you yeah. know that it doesn't go to all million of them. <laughs> like, you know that it doesn't go to even, a, you know, it goes to just a super tiny percentage. So even if you have that audience, you still need to put out stuff that they want to see and are going to interact with. Absolutely. Um, so I'd love to move into, so you were, you were running your own firm and mm -hmm. out, and did you go straight from there to the New York Stock Exchange or how did that uh, go? Yep. Yeah. So I was doing that and I decided to like it, it's stupid things like I, I wanted health insurance. Like, you yeah, know, like, silly it, things like being business. able to survive. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could go on about that system for a minute, but I don't think oh, that's yeah. why anyone's tuning in and watching. <laughs> uh, but like, no, I just want I wanted a little stability. Like it's, a, you know, running your own business. There's a lot of unknowns. And I had uh, student debt from doing the PhD that I dropped out of. Mm -hmm. So just to have something that just I knew for a few years I could work to, you know, save up to buy a house and to pay off some, uh, you know, old student loan stuff. Uh, so I just started looking at what was out there. And then in the same way that I picked social media as a way to eliminate competition because no one else was doing it, I kind of thought of my job hunt in the same way. So... Uh, yeah, there were, I remember there were openings for like HBO or ESPN or, you know, whatever entertainment. And if you're dying to work in that industry, great, go for it. Just know that you are competing with 10 times more people than you would if you pick an, a different industry. So 
I had seen this job opening for a company called Intercontinental Exchange. And I looked them up and they're like an energy exchange. So, you know, you've got people that buy or that, that, that produce oil and energy and stuff and that people need to buy it and sell it. And they're the, they're the technology that uh, combines the two. And it sounds very boring. And it is very, it's not super exciting. It's not Nike. And so well, it's your I, job to help I, make it sexy. Yeah, it is 100%. <laughs> uh, but so I did a little research and I was like, well, I have the, you know, I, I got the interview and stuff. So I said I'd, I'd talk to him. And, uh, but yeah, there weren't hundreds of people applying for that job. And so when I talked to him, uh, one of the questions I asked at the end of it was like, so what exactly is the job? Like, I know that, you know, I'm running it for this company, but like, or am I doing it for individual exchanges? Like you guys have commodity exchanges, financial products. Like, what, do, what am I going to be doing day to day? And my future boss at the time said, oh, it doesn't say in the job description. Like most of what you're going to be doing is doing it for the, or for the New York Stock Exchange. And that's all Which is a like, lot sexier than energy supplying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I never, and I never would have known that had I not like been open to doing something in an uninteresting industry. And, uh, and then fortunate for me, like, so they had just bought the New York stock exchange. New York stock exchange is 230 years old, whatever it is. And this company at the time was like 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they bought it and they didn't really have a game plan for the New York stock exchange. They just kind of handed me the keys and said, drive, like whatever you want to do, we trust you. And That's so to incredible. have that kind of freedom, right out the gate and uh and be able to have that that brand tailwinds you know like that was amazing so uh, that's, that's how I, that's how i got into new york stock exchange and that was to their benefit too that they trusted you i have a tweet up here from dewey from tuesday saying many companies have a top-down management structure which fo- which focuses direction at the top and employees aren't allowed to act on their own and obviously mm-hmm. you weren't just a random employee you were you know heading up social, but the fact is that they gave you that freedom and they trusted that they hired an expert for a reason mm-hmm. was really, yeah, really hundred percent. The, the, if you're going to hire someone to do social media, you don't want to micromanage them. You're hiring them, like hire someone you trust. And to be frank, it might cost a little more. Like it's worth the extra money to say, all right, I don't have to worry about this. This person understands the pros and cons and negatives that can come with social media. But we, we trust them to do a good job. And, and the worst thing you can do is kind of micromanage and cut off their, their wings. That's hugely important. So during that time, you decided at some point to double down on your own personal brand. So I'd love to hear about how you made that decision and how you decided to go about it. Yeah. Well, so it kind of goes back to what I was saying when I started at the Stock Exchange is you have this amazing brand at your back. So it kind of, you know, like the stuff that I was doing on social media didn't really feel revolutionary to me. It seemed like it felt like common sense. Like this is what any brand would do. So I just started doing those things. Uh, And so then I kind of started wondering, so maybe this is like four or five years into working there. I kind of thought like, all right, so how much of this was me and how much of this was the fact that anyone who is, you know, just competent could have also done the same thing with this brand. So I decided like, all right, I'm going to take myself and use that as, uh, you know, to, just to prove to myself, I can build a brand and I'll just use my own brand to build a brand. And so I took what I knew about brand building and, and creating content that builds a community and gets people excited. And I just applied it to my personal handle. Uh, the two biggest things I did, I really should say three biggest things, was I was uh, unbelievably specific 
So I found like I, I, I narrowed in on something and I was like, this is all I'm really going to talk about. I'm not going to, you know, I, I like the Green Bay Packers and I like food and I like all this other stuff, but it's just not relevant to here. So it stayed very specific. Uh, the other thing I did too was I was unbelievably consistent. So I told myself for six months, I'm posting twice a day, I'm not posting anything else, just twice, or I'm not posting any less, minimum twice. I can post more, but at least twice a day. Did and it every did morning. you load those up in a scheduler or were they all just? They're all in my drafts. If I showed you my drafts, it's, I've got, I've probably got a thousand drafts mm-hmm. of, of tweets. And so what I would do is I would just wake up every morning and uh, just see kind of like I'd go through what I've written, see what one resonates, kind of fine tune it a little bit and just post it. Probably took 75 seconds every morning to do. Yeah. And then the last one was to kind of uh, continue to refine. So once I kind of picked my my niche, it was like, all right, so where are the boundaries of this niche? What's the stuff in here that's resonating? What's the stuff that's not? And so really it was just, I'm going to double down on the stuff that works and kind of, you know, move to the side, the stuff that doesn't work. And and what I found in doing that too, was the stuff that works was the stuff that, uh, that, that seemed like who I was. It seemed like it was, it was the stuff that worked was the stuff that came easy to me. The, the stuff that like, I just can't help but be interested in. I, I have yeah. this, I've always had this kind of since college, this idea of like, I'm interested in, in psychology and human nature and uh, philosophy and trying to be like the best possible version of yourself. And so a lot of that spills over into my Twitter. And that was just the stuff that worked well. And so um, it, it becomes really easy to have a, a social media profile where you're talking about the things that you love and are interested in. Most of my tweets are just, I'll read, I'll be reading something that I find interesting, figure out how to apply it to content and creativity, whatever it might be, and then push it out as a tweet. And it works for me as like, this is something like I just learned or just thought of or whatever it might be. And so now it works as a, as a uh, tool to help me incorporate it better. And then also works as a way to build a community of people who kind of think the same things. I love that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And we have a question from Trisha. She wants to know, it's a two-parter. Uh, mm-hmm. What was the light bulb moment that made you realize things were about to change when you started building your community? Like, when did you realize, oh, whoa, this is a thing? And then connected to that, what key differentiator do you think has set you apart from others who have tried to build a community and just haven't had the same kind of traction that you have? So to the first question, very early on, I got very lucky. I was retweeted twice by Jack Dorsey. Oh, that and- But what's funny is, though, it didn't help me really gain any followers. I maybe gained like 100 or something when he retweeted it. But it it got, you know, say 5 million impressions. Um, But what it did 
was completely like, like it was, all of a sudden my motivation was on steroids, you know, now it was like, oh, I like it took from like, I'll see if this works. I'll see if I like doing this to all of a sudden it's like, I have now gotten on the timeline of the founder of this app that I'm using. And that like, that sustained me for six months easily. Just yeah. that, like, even if no one had paid attention to any of my tweets. Well, that gives you the followers and then it's your job to maintain them. Yeah. And so there was that. And uh, and I just had what it really was, was I had a handful of tweets go like do extremely well, where millions and millions of people saw them. I had tweets outside of what Jack Dorsey did uh, that also did really well. And so that was just kind of like uh, like I saw what was working. And, and so the aha moment was really uh, talking about social media and marketing in a way that other people weren't doing it, which at the time was uh, for me just being really honest, like this is what works, this is what doesn't work. This is what some people say works, but I haven't really ever seen this. So I don't know that you should believe it because I don't believe it. And uh, and that was- and Not being afraid to have an opinion and a point of view. No, uh-uh. That, that's, if you don't have that on Twitter. Um, and then to answer the second part, the reason why it grew like it did, uh, I think there's several reasons, some of which I think are in people's control and some of which aren't. Uh, so one, I kind of had a, it seems like I had a voice that was unique that no one else was really doing. So I didn't really, I, I'd kind of stolen a voice, but I'd stolen it from all these different areas. So it's, you, you know, it's, I, I didn't find anyone on social that was talking about marketing or social media and copied them. I found people that were like, you, you know, talking about creativity in different industries. I talked, I found people that were talking about print ads from the sixties. I talked, I found people that were following, talking about philosophy and all this kind of came in to create came together to create a unique voice that was my voice um the other things that certainly help that i I don't know that are recreatable uh having the new york stock exchange as a place of employment certainly helps it it gives you instant credibility uh same with i used to do camera stuff with like in front of the camera stuff with them so i I got verified having that blue check mark helps uh and then just kind of being honestly i think being a white male helps so there's a lot of things that are certainly out of people's control uh, that played into it. But, you know, I, I've got to play the hand I was dealt. So uh, it, it's something that I just think it's, you know, you can acknowledge it, but also uh, not necessarily feel bad about it. Yeah. And I just want to point out, you got a shout out from Pat. Matt is the best. Recently had a great phone call with him and it resulted in me buying a fast pink hoodie immediately. And you apparently drew a nice portrait while he waited for the real thing. So that's very lovely of you. Do you draw those pictures? The picture of yourself. I do. I do. Everyone's also surprised that I draw them. They're horrible. They're not hard. <laughs> Any one of us could draw those. There's charm to it. <laughs> but anyway. Totally agree. There's charm to it, but they're not hard to do. I love it. So you brought your personal brand uh, to Fast, uh, as, as we've mentioned. So did Fast kind of like start courting you? Were you looking for something new? Like, how did that happen? Because you were there from the beginning with Fast, sort of. Yeah, not quite the beginning. I was there before the launch. They had been around for a year uh, building it before Mm -hmm. I was there. Uh, The way it worked was I had made up my mind maybe like two years ago that I had wanted to work at a startup. It it was just like an itch that I had to scratch. And so I was just dead set on doing it. And so, but I wasn't, I didn't want to just go to any startup. So I had created, so I said, I I told myself, I'm going to find a startup I want to work at. And there were a couple criteria that I was looking for. Uh, the first one was I wanted a charismatic founder. I, you know, worked at the New York Stock Exchange long enough to kind of see 
what a lot of these founders and CEOs had in common. And you realize this charisma, this ability to sell, this ability to tell a story. And I mean, all this very complimentary, like you have to sell investors, you have to sell employees, you have to sell customers. And so if you don't have that kind of natural charisma or even learned charisma, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be that successful. So wanted that. Uh, I, I, Dom is our, is our founder CEO and he has that in spades. He has more than enough to spare. Uh, so that was a great check mark. Uh, I also wanted to go to a company that scales. So I wanted to go to a company where you can have this concept of you build it once and you sell it a million times. Uh, so really that's a a long way of saying I wanted to go to a tech company and a software company that you could kind of, uh, really scale something. Uh, and then I wanted to get in early enough. I, I didn't want it to be, you know, some people call it like you, some people say like Airbnb is still a startup and it's like, it's hard to be a startup when you're a $30 billion company. Yeah. So I wanted to go somewhere where it was still early enough that a lot of what I did could be like a really, have like a really strong impact on the brand and the tone and the voice. And, uh, and so what I was doing, I was keeping an eye out for that. And when I came across fast, I thought this like, all right, this is an interesting idea. Like, I really like this. And I reached out to Dom. On Twitter, That's and I awesome. just said, "Hey, I, I'm I. I'd like to talk about your company. I'd like to, uh, you know, I, I didn't pitch him on a job or anything. I was like, I just this seems interesting. You want to have a conversation with me?" And he said, "Sure." And and I did this to a lot of CEOs. Like this wasn't mm-hmm. the only one. I just reached out to his anyone who was doing something interesting. And did you find that yeah. these people uh, had been following you or knew who you were, or were you kind of a non-entity? Uh, no, not necessarily. But one hundred percent of them had a call with me. Nice. Uh, and I. Uh, and and I and I think that I think anyone could do that. Find a founder who's still, you know, like a dozen employees, kind of like you know, like that's the size you're looking for or less. And then be like, I think your company's awesome, and I'd love to talk to you about it. Like most founders want to do that, so it was a really easy way to say yes. Like I, I gave them, I kind of like you know, gave them an offer they couldn't refuse. Um, so did that, and I ended the call with, uh, if you ever need any help marketing, let me know. And then six months later, he messaged me and said, I need some help marketing. You want to chat again? And I, I think I accepted an offer in like two days after that phone call. I love that. And it was definitely to their advantage. You know, can we talk about that for just a second, about the fact mm-hmm. that uh, you were able to bring some value? Let's talk about the value of having employees who have personal brands, because some businesses are like weirdly threatened by it. Yeah. the uh, And this was kind of something, too, I talked about before I started with uh, him was I said, it's like, I want to leverage my personal social media to like help grow this brand. And I think he was thinking that already, you know, like I think he was hoping yeah. that I was going to do that. Uh, so like it, it was a perfect, you know, scenario for him. But what we're trying to do too is, so one, I'm happy being an advocate for this company, but I want to do it in a way that makes sense. So if you see me, a lot of the times when I talk about fast, I'm talking about marketing initiatives that we're doing. So I want to make sure, so it's not, I'm not trying to sell fast. I'm trying to use fast as an example that then brings brand awareness, but uh, I'm still trying to figure or not figure out. I'm still trying to keep in mind uh, why someone would follow me and the kind of information they would expect to get from me. And so now I'm just doing it with this lens of the fast brand. And uh, so, so that's, kind of how we're, we're building it there. But we've got other marketers on our team doing the same thing. We've got relationship builders. We've got both of our co-founders are super active. Um, we have our, our top design person, uh, our HR person. So we're really happy to make stars of all these people because what we found is that like, it's a great way to find talent. 
It's a great way to find yeah. partnerships. It's a great way to win business. And so for us, especially being as young, like we're kind of doing, um, you know, building a company in a different way. And, and it's through social media and it's super exciting. And, you know, we've got the support of all the executives and, you know, they're like, keep doing it. Like, we'll let you know if you do something wrong or we don't like it. But right now everything's going, um, you know, everything's going well using the strategy. So if anything, it's like double down, do more of this. I love that. So a couple quick questions. I just want to get in some of these final questions from my uh, chat audience. Um, who's your audience for social content and how do you find them? The Well, your audience finds you. I never found them. I, I didn't do anything. Um, my, my audience, I think, if I was to guess, and I don't really, you know, you have kind of an idea, but it's certainly people that are in the social media space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also kind of crossed over to people that are in the entrepreneurial space. I've, I've kind of crossed over to people that are just in general marketing, uh, uh, people that maybe are in comms or PR, because there's just a lot of overlap in all this stuff. And then also there is uh, people that just kind of want to use social media to improve themselves, yeah. um, you know, and, and it's the people that are like, what can I do to be a little better every day or, you know, kind of create the best version of myself? Because uh, that's really what I'm trying to do with my social media. I just do it with a lens of content over it. Um, but yeah, that, that's from what I can tell, that's who follows me. Awesome. And to that end, uh, you seem to mostly, I'm aware of uh, what you've built on Twitter, but what do you feel like, do you feel like that is the best platform for building a community or um, uh, maybe no, might there be others? Be. It, it was, that's just what worked well for me. So I have a full-time job. I've, I've had a full-time job doing all this. And so I've done a little bit on Instagram and uh, for me, it's just easier to do it on Twitter. You know, I don't need a picture. I don't need a video. I don't need to edit anything. I don't need to design anything. It's just, uh, you know, I have an idea and I can put it out there. So the reason Twitter works well for me is I like sharing ideas. If, uh, if my passion was photography or videography or whatever it might be, Twitter's not the right platform to, to build that audience. So um, it really just depends what you know, what's, what is the community you want to build? And so for me, it was kind of around these ideas of uh, what makes for great content and, you know, kind of this bigger philosophical lens. And, and it just, Twitter worked out well for that. Similarly, uh, Holly wants to know uh, kind of the best way you found to drive engagement. Cause she po- she's posting stuff on her business page. It's, it, people are just scrolling by. What are some of your tips mm-hmm. for actually getting people to engage? The, uh, the stuff that works best is especially on Twitter, you're going to have to say something that people have felt before. That's like, you know, it's like right in here. You can't see me. I'm just touching my chest, but you know that they feel it, but they've never expressed it. They never put words to it. That's the stuff that gets uh, retweeted and shared. So figure out like what your, who your community is, what they're thinking, what they're talking about and tap into kind of who they are. And, and if you can verbalize or write something down, that they know to be true, but have never said themselves, that's what gets retweets. Love that. And then we have a question. Oh, I don't remember what this question is here. Uh, oh, yeah. Is there anything that you've learned about community development since working at Fast that you hadn't already discovered during your own community development experiments? For sure. People love hoodies, man. I had no <laughs> idea. The, the, like the hoodie thing was... You know, it's equal parts strategy and equal parts luck, which is kind of like all marketing. You know, you have a hunch on something, you have an idea, you try it. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, you know, you try the next thing. 
Uh, I honestly, I think the best lesson for fast, and I actually was talking to my boss about this yesterday, was that like, you just have to keep trying things. And this is just marketing in general. Like you might, and some things kind of might move the needle a little, and some things might move the needle a lot and combined, they might move the needle a lot. Um, But people are just getting, especially on digital, so tied to the metrics that they kind of forget that marketing should be fun or interesting or innovative or, you know, like getting people to talk and, and to do things. So to do something crazy, like give away hoodies for five bucks is a little nuts. It's not, you know, it's hard to measure that impact, but it seems quite obvious. It's done something. It's resonant. Yeah. It's led to us doing ugly Christmas hoodies that <laughs> we started launching yesterday. We're doing another one today. Oh, um, yeah. I'm checking at 3 p.m. today, yeah. 3 p.m. Eastern time today. I'm making sure because I saw that there's a red one at some point and I need the red one. So there is the, the yeah, there, <laughs> we have an all over design. Uh, yeah, we, they're, they're fun. They're cool. And it's it goes back to like kind of that first idea that we were talking about early on where it's like you have to do stuff that gets people's attention. That's fun. That's entertaining. That's interesting. And even looking at the design of an ugly Christmas hoodie, even that phrase is fun. It's interesting. It's something. And so, uh, and, and we tried it. One, it worked. We killed it yesterday. We sold out in 20 minutes. Nice. Um, but, uh, but even if it didn't work, that, that wouldn't stop us. We go, all right, what's the next kind of fun, crazy idea that we can do? Like, that's the thing that you've got to be thinking about. And so like, that's the biggest lesson is, uh, you know, no one wants to read a press release on social media. Like, no, just you've got to be significantly more creative and it can come in many ways. You hear some people talk about, I want like one big quality idea a quarter or something, or, or, you know, like I, I don't want a bunch of quantity where I think you can do both. I think for some people, quantity is going to work out and you can kind of be always on. You kind of have these little wins. And for some people, you might have these really, you know, once a month, you do a really big idea or it's going to be some combination of the two. The, there, there's not an answer between those two. The only answer is do stuff that people actually might care about. Like that's literally it. Great creative, great ideas. Doesn't matter if it's a TV ad, a print spot, uh, whatever. I, you know, there, there's kind of a time and place for boring, but there's also, uh, you know, social media. It's a lot of noise and you got to stand out. And so, you know, we do our best to stand out on a regular basis. I love that. Thank you so much. I have one final question for you. I know that we have gone mm-hmm. over, but I have a final question for you, which is Keith wants to know if Fast was a dinner entree. Which one would it be and why? Oh, man. Uh, I'll go. <laughs> well, we would we would be something like Chipotle where it's fast casual because obviously we got to be fast. We're not sitting mm-hmm. down for the for a long meal. But you want something, too, where the ingredients are all natural, high quality. So you're you're just getting a quicker uh, experience, but you're not sacrificing any, any quality. I love that so much. Thank you so much, Matthew Kobach, for being on today. Mm-hmm. Where can and should people find you? Super easy. M. Kobach, Twitter, Instagram. Those are really the only two. I've got a TikTok, but I never posted to it. All right. That's fair. Does Fast have a TikTok? Uh, it does. Fast.co. We're getting better at it. It's, uh, you know, anyone who's made content knows how much work it is to constantly yeah. uh, produce content. So, <laughs> Uh, 2021, there'll be some really cool stuff coming on all our channels. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for being on. My pleasure. Yep. And so uh, just a reminder to everyone, I do do the show every single week. We're going to talk about owning a niche. And it's interesting because the person that we're talking to that Friday is in a similar niche to what Matthew used to be in. We're talking to Winnie's son who is in finance. She's she's just really brought such dynamism to the personal finance space. It's pretty incredible. 
So join us for all of that. Bye. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk About Brand, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Christine Gritman, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Christine Gritman. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.